Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, live on YouTube tonight, presented as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. We're coming to you from the Vivid Seat Studio. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we are reacting to yet another loss, but here we are. We're going live on YouTube. We're simulcasting this. There's going to be a podcast waiting in the Apple podcast uh, stream for everybody when they wake up. And then we're also streaming this live on YouTube for the first time. This is exciting. We're, we're definitely multi, you know, faceted, definitely versatile uh, content creators. I don't know who else is doing this right now, but if there's any pod to go live right now and stream to take some emotion in, it's definitely this game chat. I mean, what a heartbreaker, what a dagger through the heart of Broncos country. Uh, it's uh, still surreal to me a little bit the way that turned out. So much to get to on today's episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast. We are going to react. Of course, your Denver Broncos fell to the Chicago Bears in heartbreaking fashion, 16-14. And we are going to dive into all of that. But first, just a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up! Pod. Why? That's the best way for you guys to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can throw your hat into the ring of the giveaway that uh, we're going to be doing at the end of this month. For We're going to randomly draw a name out of the hat for a creative review on Apple Podcasts. So if you like what you hear, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review and a five-star rating. And of course, all of our great listeners on YouTube, you guys keep doing what you're doing. But a reminder to those of you who listen but aren't subscribing, take care of that business. Click the subscribe button and then also click the notification bell so that you don't miss any episode we upload or video. You guys, fantasy football season is here, and this season there are more ways to win than ever because FanDuel has more ways to win cash prizes and once-in-a-lifetime experiences during every single game every single week. Have you never played FanDuel fantasy football before? Great, because new users get $20 insight credit if they deposit $20. Now, One of the great things about FanDuel as opposed to traditional ways to play fantasy football is it's daily, right? It's a daily uh, fantasy football, and you can pick your team. If it doesn't do so well in this week, next week, you can start all over. So it's one of the the best ways, I think, to play fantasy football, and you can win money each and every week. You don't have to wait till the end of the season. Pick a new team every week. It's more flexible. Your injuries, if you suffer those, those injuries or busts, they don't have to end your season or stop you in your tracks. Plus, you get the chance to win millions of dollars. So sign up for FanDuel now. Get $20 in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of $20 to get started, and you'll get an extra $5 
insight credit every week for four weeks. Go to fan. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 1.04% APR for 36 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel app. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach. We are officially reacting to... The Broncos' second loss of the season. They are now 0-2 for the first time since 1999. Coming out of that game, we'll, I want to talk a lot about how that particular game ended. But before we get to that, what's the number one thing on your mind right now coming out of Week 2? The team, I hate to say it, I don't see much improvement from what we saw last year under Vance Joseph. I mean, I know Fangio's a better coach, but the on-field results don't translate over. The offense is still struggling to get touchdowns. They're still struggling in the red zone. The defense can't uh, cover tight ends still. They're getting gashed by the run now. I know injuries have taken place. I know they have a new coaching staff, but I thought they get on to a little more cohesive start than they have already, and to come out like that, and it's too little too late. They're taking the game down in the fourth quarter both times and then trying to mount a comeback. You can't play football that way, and you can't rely on the refs and, and have that break go against you, and that's a determining factor. They have to play better. I just thought Fangio would have this team a little more prepared uh, through two weeks. That was one of the things that jumped out to me in doing the, you know, writing my five takeaways piece immediately following the game at milehighhuddle.com. You guys go check that out. Was just, it was, it was another game in which the offense, they showed some encouraging signs of life, but it was once again too little, too late. And unfortunately, it's one of those areas of this team under Vic Fangio and now Rich Scangarello that just smacks a little too close for comfort to the, the Vance Joseph era, those two painful years. And so you have to wonder at what point they're going to they're gonna, you know, jive, so to speak, where they're going to find their groove and things are going to come together. I was hoping that at home, in front of the home crowd, I understand it's the Chicago Bears defense, arguably the best defense in the league, but I thought maybe they'd get a little bit more of a lift from playing in front of the home crowd. But unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough. And in fact, late in the game when Joe Flacco threw that interception, there was about four minutes, four, 45 seconds left to go. A lot of fans started trickling out of the stadium. Yeah. And even Chris Harris Jr., he was asked about it after the game. And he said, look, I get it. You know, I understand it. We're, you know, we wait to, to score. And I'm paraphrasing him here, obviously. And uh, we're not playing, we're not entertaining, basically. And in the modern NFL, obviously, it's, uh, you know, points are what, what sells the, the game. But I think for fans right now, the biggest thing is, you know, some offensive fireworks would be nice. It'd be great. But at the end of the day, if you're not getting the W, none of it matters. 
Right. I mean, it's, it's results. And they can talk about Fangio and what he brings to the table, his reputation. I'm kind of getting sick and tired of hearing about the culture change and hearing about the foundation and hearing about accountability. Just like last year, I want to see it on the field. I'm not saying Fangio is worse than Vance Joseph. I'm not saying the Broncos are worse. But the, the breadcrumbs are still there. And I, I want to see a better offense. I want to see explosion. I want to see a defense get sacks. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are on milk cartons right now. I, I don't understand in the Fangio defense how they're worse than they were under Vance Joseph. I, I, it's one thing to start slow, but it's another thing to go completely missing. So winning is always a determining factor. If they can upset the Packers next week, everyone will forget about these first two games. They're back on track. But if they lose 0-3, then you might have a trend forming, and that's not just a coincidence. We still have all week to get to the Packers, obviously. We've got some great content planned for you on the podcast this week. But I think the good news is I think the Packers are beatable. Even though Aaron Rodgers plays at a whole different level when he's at home, that's an opponent Vic Fangio knows well. And just watching the Packers these first two games, they are undefeated. They are 2-0, but I think that's a beatable team. Now, you guys, we see all the questions right now that are streaming in live on YouTube. I promise you we're going to get to your questions here in just a few minutes. But I want to run through, Zach, I know you, you touched on the pass rush completely just disappearing. Yeah. I mean, I think if you were to ask either one of us a month ago, hey, what are the odds of the Broncos getting through their first two games, not only with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller failing to register a sack, but the entire team is sackless, and uh, pun intended, okay, on that one, <laughs> the entire team has it, it has gone without a sack and you know we're not exactly talking about the Aaron Rodgers and the Tom Brady's and the Patrick Mahomes of the world we're talking about Derek Carr who played a lot better in that opening game than a lot of fans expected and we're talking about a quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky who has really been pressing and he did not look good in this game against the Broncos but when the chips were down and it mattered most he came through for his team so this I this this whole I think Again, it comes back to this is a team and a front seven who's used to playing in a within a coverage scheme, rushing the the quarterback. Where you know they're used to having that extra f- fraction of a second, whether it's a half second, maybe it's a full second, where the cornerbacks are playing playing press man, buying them that little bit extra time, bumping them at the line of scrimmage, forcing them off their routes, just delaying the development of these concepts ever so slightly, just long enough to either create pressure or get home and get the sack. And whatever schemes that Fangio's covered or calling, obviously it's a lot more zone than this team is used to, to uh, deploying. This, this pass rush, it's taken some time for them to jive with their coverage and, and get up to speed. Yeah, I was going to say that. Jive is the perfect word. And it's not that they're just not getting sacks. They're not even getting anywhere near the quarterback. And Vic Fangio doesn't really like to blitz and bring a lot of pressure, seven, eight guys. But he's going to have to compensate now because his two pass rushers are not getting home. I wonder about the injuries. I wonder about the secondary not being complete. I wonder about missing Todd Davis. But to not have Bradley Chubb, not have Von Miller on the, on the stat sheet, and to not get any interior pressure, any interior push, the Broncos' front line was getting blown off the football. I mean, this wasn't just a one-game occurrence. This happened against Oakland, too, and it's not just a, a one-series occurrence. It's the entire game. This defense is not where it should be right now, considering the coaching and the talent that's in place. I can only take those excuses for so long. The injuries, the newness, this and that, you still have to produce. It's still two weeks and now. You have five preseason games, five, to get the Kings out. Now we're week two of the, uh, the regular season. These games count for real. They cannot play like this anymore. 
Let me jump through some of these stats here, and I want to I want to touch on the things that actually jump out to me. And first and foremost is if you look at the final stat line for your Denver Broncos, the uh, the total yards it's respectable. The Broncos finished with 372 total yards as an offense. However, close to half of that came in the fourth quarter. So again, we go back to the too little, too late. All right. The other killer in regards to the Broncos once again this this week offensively was their lack of red zone efficiency or red zone inefficiency. We talked about this when we reacted on the YouTube live stream at halftime, that it just kind of felt like every time the Broncos crossed the 50 and they were approaching the 30-yard line and you know, you're know you within the range of the big leg of Brandon McManus, that you could almost sense on an emotional level that Joe Flacco was taking his foot off the, off the pedal. You know, like, where's the killer instinct? Right. The Broncos go one of three when they finally get into the red zone. Of course, the red zone means 20 yards and in. They go one of three. The other two that didn't convert, one was a field goal. One was that Joe Flacco interception that came with just under five minutes to go. So this is two games in a row now where, again, it smacks of the Broncos post-Super Bowl 50 under Vance Joseph. Offense, you know, they got to they gotta turn the ship around because – even though we haven't seen the Broncos' defense force any turnovers, and as we've already touched on, they haven't gotten the sacks yet, they are at least keeping these games within striking distance if they had a competent offense. How long have we been saying that? I feel like we say that on almost every pod we've done since, you know, last March since we started this. I, I will say about Flacco, I don't want to start any conspiracy theories or tinfoil hat, you know, you know provocations. But he looks like almost he's a little disinterested. I'd like to see a little more fire from Joe Cool than what he's shown on the field. I understand he's a veteran. I understand he's been there. But he almost feels like he's doing the Broncos a favor by quarterbacking this team right now for one year or whatever. He needs to show a little more of a leadership role. I mean, under Case Keenum last year, we didn't see that fire that intensity. We thought Flacco would have that. The only time I saw that was when they converted that two-point conversion. And they took the lead. Other than that, though, like you say, complacency, and they just don't have that fire, that energy. And that also is preparation. That's also on coaching. That's also on Fangio. I mean, we can knock Vance all last year for this. Fangio doesn't have this team amped to play, ready to play with the same intensity and fire that we've seen uh, in 2014-2015. It's just, I don't know if it's Elway. I don't know if it's the players. I don't know what the common denominator is, but I did not see the Broncos resembling a Vance Joseph outfit through two weeks of the regular season. Well, that's one thing that I want to say on the defensive side of the ball. I think there, there's a few exceptions where I would wish that, you know, the, the corners would play a little bit, that, that Fangio would call more bump-and-run coverage, even if they're playing zone, than what I've seen. But for the most part, I think Fangio's scheme has been sound. He's doing his thing. I mean, he's, he's a veteran defensive coordinator and roundly considered to be one of the top three defensive minds in football. But I don't think we're really seeing it convert yet into the play of the the actual players themselves you know unlike one i think one thing fans need to keep in mind is everyone looks at the the numbers from the chicago bears defense last year after they got roquan and after they got um khalil mack and you know bears lead the league in almost every major statistical category on defense but it took fangio four years to get that unit executing at that level now the flip side to that coin is even fangio himself zach said that look yeah when he was asked directly hey man how much do you, do you think you have more talent stepping into this job in Denver day one than you did in Chicago? And he said, you know, yeah, absolutely. There's more talent starting from square one here. 
But do you think we're maybe underestimating how much time it might take for these players to get used to playing in Fangio's scheme, get comfortable, get confident? Because it feels like maybe they're still thinking quite a bit out there. I, you know, I understand that, but it's like they have enough talent collectively, even with all the injuries going on, they have enough talent to not let, you know, running backs gash them up the middle of the field, not miss tackles in the open field like Isaac Adam. It's just simple, fundamental football that I thought we would get corrected under Vic Fangio that I thought we would never see again, you know, the Vance Joseph years. Shifting back to the offense, though, about the coaching, Scangarello, I thought he would be, he, he settled down a little bit today, kind of like how I thought he would. But still, he overthinks, he outsmarts himself. And kind of like what you were saying, they're thinking too much out there. They're not reacting, they're not playing loose, even at home in their home opener. But Scangarello, to dial up that pass play at the goal line, to not still follow his bread and butter, his strength, and run the football consistently, uh, it's just the entire operation right now um, is not ideal. They're not firing all mechanisms, and you have to point the finger, unfortunately, at Vic Fangio. He leads the, the group. At some point, it's a want-to thing because when the chips are down in two consecutive games, both of which are losses, when the chips are down and something's got to give, this Broncos offense finds a way to get some traction. So what that tells me is whether it's coaching, not communicating it properly, they're still not coming out onto the field and playing with the type of intensity out of the gates that it takes to really be successful in the league because they can do it. I mean, they move the ball – with relative ease in the fourth quarter going against this Chicago Bears defense. So what that tells me is it can be done. This offense can move the needle, but it's a matter it's – it's almost like a spiritual issue for this team. How bad do they want it? Can they climb out of this myopic haze they, that the team's been under for the last two years and get back to some semblance of a competitive edge, fire in their, in their bellies, get out there and – and punch the guy in the mouth before he can punch you in the mouth. So far, even though t- today the Broncos were able to strike you know, strike first and get the first points on the board, they basically went into a shell until halfway through the fourth quarter. And that's just not going to cut the mustard. It's just not going to do it, especially when you're playing the second toughest strength of schedule. And big deal that they scored first. They got a field goal. Can we see some touchdowns? Can they just not stall in the red zone? I mean, this is simple, fundamental football, and they're never going to win. They're never going to beat anyone if they keep playing like that. Uh, Joshua has a great comment here. He says, 10 points down feels like 35 points down. Flacco, not the problem. He has no time to throw. When he does, he's been on point. You know, he's, he's not been the biggest issue with the Broncos. The play calling has been bad. The offensive line, Garrett Bowles, is terrible. That experiment needs to end. But, yeah, it's true. I put out a poll on Twitter when they were 10 points down. I said, is this insurmountable for Denver? 91% of you guys said it was. I mean, that's pretty sad that the Broncos fan base has that little faith still in the Broncos not to come back from 10 points down in the second half. Um, it's, I just thought we'd, be, we'd see a little more aggressive play calling. They have the talent to succeed. They got the quarterback they think is a franchise guy for now. It's just not coming together fast enough, and it's costing them wins. Getting back to the idea that this team offensively is able to execute when it matters at the end of the game, and it's in terms of when the chips are down, I mean, they went three for three on fourth down, which is phenomenal. They converted their two-point conversion after a couple of, you know, a series of comedies of error. Three for three on fourth down, but in the red zone, one for three, and that's just something red zone-wise that has to change. But one other thing, and then we're going to get to our uh, listener questions here that jumped out to me. Quietly, Royce Freeman totaled over 100 yards from scrimmage. He had 11 carries for 54 yards. So he's averaging 
he's up there around five yards per, per clip. And then as a receiver, he was targeted seven times. He hauled in five of them for 48 yards. Meanwhile, Philip Lindsay had 13 totes on the ground for 36 yards. So significantly less efficient on the ground was Philip Lindsay going against this stingy, tough Bears defense. And that front seven is just unbelievably good. And then Lindsay also was targeted seven times in coverage. He hauled in four for 30 yards. So the Broncos are using the hell out of their running backs. They're getting solid production, but the other flip side of this coin is it seems that anytime they, you know, they could uh, get anything going on the ground, especially with Philip Lindsay, you get that holding penalty. Take two steps back. Always, always. It's like clockwork. I will say about Royce Freeman, and it's something we've been telling uh, the listeners all offseason now, the Broncos are going to use him more a lot this season and then kind of have a timeshare with Philip Lindsay. And it seems to me, at least, Freeman has taken to the system and the scheme a little better than Lindsay. At least the play calling has flowed in Freeman's favor. They're calling more inside runs for Philip Lindsay, which I don't understand not getting him in space, not getting the ball in his hands, but I digress. We haven't seen that explosion, those big plays from Lindsay. We saw one today. Uh, we saw a couple call back. It's just unfortunate that they're kind of hampering their most explosive weapon right now at the cost of getting the other running back going. But if they want that ground and pound scheme, it's just going to have to be. I'm just looking at this stat line. Last thing, you guys. I mean, we can sit here and complain about the Broncos' defense, not forcing turnovers, and not getting to the quarterback, but Trubisky's day, I mean, it was nothing to write home about. He made plays late when it mattered, but he finished 16 of 27, only 120 yards passing with a quarterback rating of 70. So, Zach, I think the takeaway, honestly, is that it's encouraging if – I think the farther they get into the season, things are going to continue to come together on the defensive side of the ball. And you'll start to see them create some some havoc, and that'll lead to some sacks. That'll lead to some some takeaways. Meanwhile, though, this offense just has to get it together quarters one through three. But to let a quarterback with that stat line beat you at home in your home opener, Mitch Trubisky is not a great quarterback. I was never a fan of him in college. I haven't been a fan of him in the NFL so far. And he came in there and beat you. You can talk about the refs. You can talk about the way it went down. Uh, but that's uh, in the Vic Fangio defense. You, you need to produce. You need to put the, the, the wins in the, in the win column and avoid these death by inches that Vic Fangio talked about all offseason. 10 penalties for 81 yards, not converting in the red zone, shooting yourself in the foot still. These are all earmarks of a Vance Joseph team. And, you, you know, it's funny. You didn't see these problems with the Bears players under Chuck Pagano. They were tackling everything in sight. They were flying around the football. So you have to wonder, is it the players? Is it the coaching? Chicken or the egg? We just have to wait and, and see what Fangio can do now. 0-2, pressure already on. I don't think he saw himself in this position so early. Now he's going to have to answer to his critics, and it's not going to be easy. Yeah, it's a, it's a gut check time for Fangio. It's a gut t- check time for the coordinators. I mean, the team has to turn the ship around. This thing is slowly sliding out of control. Now they're 0-2. They have to go on the road and face one of the elite quarterbacks in the league in his own house. It's not going to be easy. But the last thing, actually, I want to talk about before we transition to the listener questions here, Zach, is just that series, that, that final three minutes. The Broncos finally punch it in. They get in the end zone with a beautiful catch by Emmanuel Sanders, who manages to to get the his foot and a, and a knee in the back of the end zone. Terrific and then Vic, Vic Fangio shows the guts to go for it instead of tying the game, which would have probably changed the equation a little bit from an urgency perspective on on Chicago when they got the ball back. He decides to go for it, 
They trot the offense, or I shouldn't say they trot him out. They keep the offense out there for a two-point conversion. Fangio's going for the win, a la Mike Shanahan against the San Diego Chargers in 08 with Jay Cutler. You guys can remember back to that game. Going for the win instead of just the tie late in the game. I don't know what happened, but Flacco gets out there and the clock runs out before he can get it snapped. Delay a game. Now, if you watched where the camera panned to Vic Fangio, he was furious. Multiple expletives flying out of his mouth. Minus five yards. He's like, screw it. Kick the ball. So they send McManus out there. He goes wide right. Misses the extra point. But the football gods are still looking out for Vic Fangio, trying to give him an opportunity. Buster Scrine jumps off sides. Move the ball back to the two-yard line. So Fangio says, all right, we're back where we started. We're going for two. And the Broncos convert. Zach, what was your thoughts on, on Fangio's you know, gutsiness to go for it there with his first victory as a head coach hanging in the balance. I thought it was a very gutsy maneuver, and I always applaud coaches for going for the win and not playing conservative. Vance Joseph never would have even thought about doing that. So I commend Vic Fangio for having, you know, the cashews to make that decision and actually go through with it. The only thing I will say is it smacks of a lack of confidence in his offense. It almost says to me that he didn't have any confidence in the offense getting down to that goal line, that down that close again, and it's it's now or never. And that, you know, I can't really fault him for that either. The Broncos offense did not get in the end zone, and they're having a problem scoring touchdowns. Ultimately, it, it's like 90% positive. I'm on board with the decision, and uh, I, you could argue that it, it should have worked out for them. It should have resulted in a win. I loved it. I loved seeing yeah. it. I mean, it's obviously a, he's showing confidence in both his, his offense in the short term and that his defense will be able to, to hold the Bears off, even though ultimately on a fourth and 15, they give up the middle of the field, 25 yards. Allen Robinson is shut down by Chris Harris Jr. all day long. And then when it matters most, somehow there's a lapse in coverage and he sneaks through. One second left, field goal, 53 yards, good walk-off field goal. Terrible way to end, but I liked that Fangio had the guts under immense scrutiny. You know, he's going to be second-guessed. You know, it's going to be talked about on Denver radio and Denver television for the next week. I liked that he wasn't worried about that. He was thinking in the moment what was best for his team, rolling the dice, and really it paid off for him. His defense betrayed him in the in the end with, you know, half a minute left to go in the game. But his decision there ultimately... I think was the right one. Now, you guys, for our podcast listeners, we're about to take a quick break so we can get a couple of of our sponsors in here on the show. YouTube, though, hang with us. We're going to get to your questions here on the other side. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. All right, Zach, as always, we are this fan base's football priests, and each and every week we're going to be here to offer Broncos country the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. And there's a lot of comments, a lot of questions in this live stream, which this is fun, by the way, seeing all the engagement, all the questions. Let's see here. What jumps out? Um, 
Let's, let's grab Daniel here. He says, I disagree, bro. Chicago defense was gassed, and they were driving on them all game. They could have pushed for overtime, but in that scenario, they had momentum. Now, Zach, I'm not sure what Daniel's saying there. Is he disagreeing with Fangio's decision? What, what are you saying there, I, Daniel? I think he's disagreeing with me, even though he's kind of making my point. I mean, they had momentum, and I don't think Fangio had the confidence they're going to have that momentum again. Ultimately, it's one of those things where it, it's, he's a genius if it works out, and he's an idiot if it doesn't. And it did work out for them. And like you said, Chad, the defense betrayed him, and you can make the case that the referees betrayed the Broncos too. And if those things didn't happen, Fangio is this evil scientist again and this, and this madman for going forward and getting a victory. It's, it's one of those things. This one comes from Zachary Fuller. He says, Good this end. is the reason we should have started more starters in the preseason to knock off rust and get in a rhythm. And – you know, that's a good point, Zach. Honestly, it's a double-edged sword because the Broncos dealt with some pretty serious injuries. The bodies were hitting the floor in the in training camp in the preseason. I understand the impulse to want to protect the starters and try not to expose them to any unnecessary risk, but now you're seeing the downside to that line of thinking, which is it's taking time to get up to speed and form a chemistry and figure out an identity and get into a rhythm and get this offensive line gelling as a unit. Meanwhile, as they're going through trial and error, Zach, these games, they count. They do. And it's, it's just, it's, it's really unfortunate that, you know, we're, we're talking about this right now and we're talking about a preseason and, and talking about whether they should have played more starters in, in, a, in a random meaningless preseason game. It shouldn't come down to that. They have enough talent and a decent enough and a well put together coaching staff to avoid these these rust issues. It should be off the table by now, but it's not. This one comes from Cole Component. He says, "When James, when Juwan James gets back, what are the odds Elijah Wilkinson starts over Garrett Bowles?" Zach, this is a this is a good question. You know, and honestly, I think it has. I think we'll know more after this week if the Broncos make any moves on the trading block or on the wire or if we get notified that they've decided to bench Garrett Bowles and put in uh, Rodgers in there to start Jake Rodgers. I don't know. But if I think that's not a bad call because the one area in which Wilkinson really shined in the preseason was when he was playing left tackle with the second team. If I'm this coaching staff, I'm looking at any reasonable opportunity to get Garrett Bowles off the field that I can find as soon as possible. But if you're going to wait, yeah, you wait maybe till James gets back and then you can slide Wilkinson over and let let Bowles be your swing. But this is something that gets brought up a lot by the Mile High Huddle guys is, you know, you think, okay, well, Bowles can come out. He he can hit the bench and be the swing tackle. Well, if he struggles playing left tackle, and that's what all of his reps have come on the left side for the last two and a half years. How well do you think he's going to do if Jawan James goes down again and he has to then step in at right tackle? Or in that situation, do you swing Wilkinson back to right and put him a left again? Yeah, I, I would probably not upset the alpha cart too much. It's, it's, it's crappy that the Broncos are, are forced into this situation by injuries right now. And, and Jawan James kind of lived up to his reputation from the Dolphins. And Garrett Bowles is literally regressing and not even staying the same, not even remaining neutral. He's you know regressing, not progressing. I think, you know, you have to have Wilkinson in the lineup. Hopefully, James, he comes back sooner than later. I still think, though, they should make a move for an outside lineman. I don't really rely on Jake Rogers or moving around Ryzen or anyone else. Just pick up an outside guy, find an experienced tackle around the league, and trust your scouts that he's going to be a dependable backup. This one comes from Joshua Chillette. 
He says, the Broncos should make a trade for a tackle. And obviously the guy that's on everybody's minds right now is Trent Williams just sitting on the sideline. Basically, he's held out completely from the Washington Redskins. Perennial All-Pro, perennial Pro Bowler, not happy, wants out of Washington. The Redskins have seemingly moved on without him with Donald Penn playing left tackle. Should the Broncos – now look, we know they only have about $12 million in cap space after they restructured <coughs> Joe Flacco. There's that to consider. There's also the long-term implications because, as you talked about earlier today, Zach, Williams is going to want an extension, and that factors in. But you know what? At this stage, look, do you want to not only salvage your season, but do you want to solve what has really been a thorn in this team's side since Ryan Clady ultimately, you know, uh, bit the dust with the injury bug back in 2014? Listen, I'm thinking with my brain, not my heart right now. I still think it's unlikely and I still think it's not going to happen. You know, it's, it's, Williams would be a bad apple, rotten apple to add to this locker room. I don't think fans would want to do that. He's going to want a big contract. I mean, you you shouldn't have to invest that many resources to fix your offensive line. But if Elway is serious about being a contender, if he's all in and he thinks this is still a playoff team, you have to at least pick up the phone and see what Dan Snyder would want in exchange for Trent Williams. If it's a first-round pick, no. If it's a second, I don't think so. You can maybe do a third and a couple picks or whatever. I I think Elway would at least explore that opportunity. So the other downside, chill, Will, is that Trent Williams is 31. So he hasn't shown from a play perspective any sign of falling off at his age, but he's on the wrong side of 30. So if you're the Broncos and you give up, let's say, a second-round pick, maybe a little bit more to get him, you're you got maybe a three-year window where you could count on him playing at a high level does that factor into your decision making it it does i mean you can just draft a tackle for cheaper and for longer and and higher upside and doesn't have the bad personality of trent williams who decided he was mad at the coaching staff or whatever the medical staff one day and decided to not report to the team i mean i don't think you want to add that kind of personality to the team right now no matter how good he is on the field it does factor in. He'd be another short-term rental, just like Menelik Watson was, just like maybe Juwan James would be Donald Stevenson. Do you really want another short-term guy, or do you want to maybe invest a draft pick and build the team the right way from the inside out? Cody Cruz says, Bowles is shaking his head out there when he's literally tackling dudes. His interview after the game, he said, they keep coming after me, referring to the refs. This guy clearly does not get it and that's true i mean we've been telling you guys for a long time everything we've been hearing from people close to the situation is he's he's shown a significant lack of maturity a sense of entitlement there's been times that at practice he's been getting coached up by by one of his coaches and if he doesn't like what he's hearing or someone's getting on him he'll turn he'll like literally turn his back on and walk away so yeah this that shouldn't surprise you it's frustrating that he makes excuses instead of taking accountability and standing up and saying, yeah, this is BS. I have to be better. This is unacceptable. You know, this is, but at the same time, Zach, this is a guy who also has to recognize between the ears that he's developed himself a little bit of a reputation in the NFL. Refs are watching him. And he even said after the game, he said, I have a reputation for holding it. I don't agree with it. Like, what are you thinking? Are you, what color is the sky in the world that you live in? I don't understand what he even is is doing on the field. Any shred of empathy I had for Garrett Bowles went out the window when he uh, was waiting to hear on a, a penalty. It was called on Ronald Leary. And the look of relief that flooded over his face 
That was a disgusting, I think, look to hopefully your teammate would get penalized, not you again. I just, any respect I had that was left for him went completely out the window. There. It's funny you mentioned that because that jumped out to me as well. You could just see it wash like, over his face. It's like, oh, thank God. At least do a better job like hiding that. Like, why would you be so, I don't know, obvious? And Larry, that's another thing. He was held, He was flagged last week twice for holding. He gets flagged again this week twice for holding. And Vic Fangio during the week said, look, you know, we expect that he didn't play at all during the preseason and, you know, was taking basically half reps during training camp practices. We expect him some rust. But after two games now, I think it's like, look, you know what, if you can't steady the ship here, we got to look at putting in Austin Schlopman. We got to look at making a change because, yeah, we're on the hook for paying you some significant coin, but you've got, what, almost as many holding fouls as Garrett Bowles because I don't recall that Garrett got one in week one. He did get four today, three of which were enforced. So him and Larry, they're they're on equal footing in terms of who leads the league or the team and holds. That's so comical to me that he gets four holding penalties the same game. And where do you even see that at? But let me just say, I'm glad you you brought up Ronald Leary. I, I put this on Twitter. He's been a really disappointing signing to me. I mean, that guy was on the the potential to be a, a Pro Bowler under Mike Munchak, and he was stable a couple years ago. But injuries have derailed him, and now when he's on the field. He's a, a walking, you know, penalty flag. So that side, you know, the offensive line, those players are just not cutting it right now. J-Day says, is getting Trent Williams going to get us to the Super Bowl or even the playoffs? No. Maybe no. not. Here's the thing, though. Do you want to save your season? Do you want to salvage your season? Because the, the most frustrating and scary aspect of the holding fouls on Garrett Bowles at the end of that second quarter they weren't on pass pro sets where he was getting beaten. We've seen in times past where the majority of his holding calls come in a pass set where he tackles a guy after he got beat. They were coming on running plays. And a couple of them came on plays on, on holds that were away from the point of attack. That scares me. So what are the Broncos? I mean, we don't know what could have happened on those drives, Zach, if Garrett Bowles doesn't completely crap the bed. Maybe the Broncos get points. Maybe there's Maybe the Chicago Bears don't have a chance late in the game with 30 seconds left to, to get a field goal that's going to give them the lead. I mean, you never know, right? There's there's no way to know, but the Broncos aren't going to know if they don't make a change. And I, fine, you know what? You're not going to trade for Trent Williams or the, the price tag's too high or you don't think you can swing it on the cap. I Okay, fine. But you've got to bench Garrett Bowles. You have got to send a message that this is, this is unacceptable. This is laughable. You're a laughing stock in the NFL if you allow this kid to continue to protect Joe Flacco's blindside. Right. And the thing that stuck out to me about Bowles' penalty, I mean, he had one when the Broncos were pretty much trying to run the clock out. I had you draw a holding penalty on that play and then turn around and say that you don't have a reputation for that. It's true. They got to do something. That's why I think they got to get an outside player. Trent Williams, the, the Broncos are not a Trent Williams away from being a title contender. They're not a Megan Fitzpatrick away. They're a couple players, multiple players away. It can help them. Like you said, Chad, have a respectable season, maybe a winning season, Trent Williams. But to playoff, Super Bowl, I mean, this team has a lot of issues right now. Regarding Minka, Cody wants to know if uh, the Broncos, if there's any chance the Broncos are going to trade for Minka. We've been told from, from our sources that the Broncos have, have shown an interest, but, you know, if the, if the price tag is a second-round pick, as Zach said, you know, that's, it's, it's attractive because he is a really good player. He's young. You still get this season and another three with, if you count the fifth-year option, but you're giving up a second-round pick, and cool. is Mika really going to be the difference maker that's going to put your defense over the top this year? 
Probably not because at this stage, I don't think it's really a talent issue. The Broncos have the talent. It's an execution issue, and it's an execution problem where Fangio's scheme is this. He's calling these plays, and the execution is still struggling to to meet those expectations. I think the players on defense are still thinking a lot and still acclimating to playing in Fangio's scheme. I'm not sure. In fact, I doubt that at least in 2019, Mink is going to come in, Zach, and really change that equation. I mean, there's no doubt he would help the defense. He can play linebacker, cornerback, safety. I mean, he can play all over the field. But, you know, A, John Elway tried that with Sua Craven. That didn't work out. B, they have Will Parks, who they're high on. They have Kareem Jackson right now, who's balling at safety. I don't think they need to add to that side of the ball. If they should bring anyone in via trade, give up draft picks or whatever, it should be for an offensive lineman. Maybe not Trent Williams, but somebody else. I I don't see Fitzpatrick coming to Denver. All right, we'll do two or three more. And then we got to get out of here for tonight, you guys. This one comes from Nevitz4433. Honest question, and one I hate to ask, is there anything we can do to become relevant this year? What can the Broncos do? And I don't know if maybe Nevitz is, is talking about making some kind of an outside addition. But, Zach, to me, the answer to this question is it's a, it's, a, it's a gut check. It's a spiritual issue. It's a how bad do you want it. Part of it is this is a team that's got so many new moving parts and it's going to take time for that to all come together. But at the end of the day, this is a team that has to decide really how bad they want it. Do they still want to continue to be the laughing stock of the AFC West? Or are they ready to put their foot in the ground, pivot, and turn the ship around? Uh, Relevant to me is so subjective. I mean, what what defines a successful season? Playoffs, Super Bowl, a winning record? Chris Harris Jr., I think, said it best in his post-game you know, press conference. The Broncos are not entertaining right now. They're a boring team. You look at a team like the Cowboys or whatever. I mean, exciting offense, exciting defense. Then you have the Broncos there. I mean, they're putting up field goals and, and losing hard-fought defensive battles with sloppy penalties. I, it, they're not an exciting team. But the best way and the quickest way to relevancy in this business, which has so much parity week to week, is winning. It comes down to winning. I don't care if it's by 100 points, by one point. I don't care if you're beating the Patriots, you're beating the Dolphins. You have to win. No one will care about the Broncos. No one will uh, think positively about them or predict anything positively like Adam Rank until they win. It's really as simple as that. Here's one from JL Avenger, our friend from Costa Rica. If Noah Fant is not working, why not try Andrew Beck? Look, Andrew Beck was brought in to simply serve as a part-time fullback until Andy Janovich gets up to speed. The issue for Noah Fant is simply the Broncos aren't really trying to work him into the offense. And we talked about this during the halftime um, live that we did on YouTube, Zach, that they need to work him into the offense vertically. You know, they're, they're trying yeah. to do cute little screens. They do a jet sweep in week one. They're, tr- they're thinking outside the box on Fant instead of utilizing him in the proven ways that work for a player like him. 4'5 speed, 6'5", 250 pounds. Utilize this guy to his strengths instead of putting him in a hole and ha- asking him to do things that don't play to his strengths. Yeah, like having him one-on-one with Khalil Mack. I mean, I don't know if that was Scangarello or what, but that, that play needs to go away. The jet sweeps need to go away. And he's having a kind of a tough acclimation, a- acclimation process. And like we've been talking about, he's a 2020 guy and beyond. But you're right. I mean, they drafted him to be this, this seam stretcher, this field stretcher, and they're having him play in a, in a, in a telephone booth horizontally get them down the field and that goes back to Stangarello that goes back to not being conservative that goes back to showing some aggressiveness um but his he really hasn't shown much and then you start to question should the Broncos have taken another player in the first round you know Devin Bush was right there he looked pretty good right now in a Broncos uniform I still think Fant was a good pick but 
Um, he's having a tough go, I think, through two weeks. The perfect fit for Fant would have been going into an offense that had a built-in quarterback in a scheme that they've been playing in for years. You know, if he Patriots. went to perfect. New England, if he went to yeah. New Orleans, you know, something like that. But unfortunately, he came to a team, for him anyway, at least in the short term, unfortunately, in which it's a new offense. It's a new veteran quarterback transplant. There's just so many new moving parts. It's just going to take time for him to begin to scratch the surface on making an impact. And it's just like we've been telling you guys, the first half of this season, Noah Fant's going to be very hit and miss, probably more miss than hit. But I still am optimistic that come the second half of this season, you know, he's going to start to kind of hit his stride. The coaches and the quarterback will figure out how to utilize him, and and it'll look a lot better than it does right now. But last one, you guys, and then we got to get out of here for tonight. Can we shut up the Broncos fans? This is from Cole Component that want to tank for a quarterback. Flacco isn't elite, LOL, but has not been the problem. We need a premier tackle. And I think that's fair. Like the idea of tanking for a quarterback, you guys, I haven't, one, I haven't heard that much. Two, Drew Locke is still on this roster. In fact, right now, Drew Locke is licking his chops, dude. He's going, yeah, guys, uh, yeah, this really sucks. So I, I hate that we're losing. Yeah, this is just terrible, man. He's just counting the minutes when week eight rolls around and John Elway is forced to have to call him up off of short-term IR, get him on the field because, I mean, at this stage, the Broncos, they're probably going to be sub-500, let's face it, when it comes mid-season, week eight. And if that's the case, Zach, and John Elway does not call up Drew Locke, that's when I'm really going to question, honestly, that might be the final straw for me to question whether or not this guy still has the wherewithal to be a front office guy. Oh, I mean, it's a pretty hot take there. It, it's going to come down to the his health. Drew Locke is going to come down to where the Broncos are, uh, you know, in the standings. It, it's just, I don't know. The, the fact that they got another short-term rental in Joe Flacco, I, I wasn't crazy about the move, as most Broncos fans know. I, I don't think they're a tackle away. This team has some serious, serious flaws right now. And uh, like you said, I, you, I still see a sub-500 team. And I think even 8-8 eight and eight would be a successful season right now. We've been kind of – don't want to fence it. It's not an exciting prediction. But you know what? Eight and eight after what we've seen in the last couple of years, what we've seen the first couple of weeks, I think most Broncos fans can sign up for that. I mean, I really don't think – I agree that Flacco isn't the problem. He's been good between the 30s. You know, if you need to move the ball a little bit from the 30 to the 30, he's your man. So is Trevor Simeon. Though. I want to see – I just want to see that guy that takes you to the next level. I want to win because of the quarterback and not necessarily in spite of him. You don't want a quarterback where – the Gut Reaction podcast is saying, well, he's not the problem. Right, exactly. That's where we're at. But you guys, hey, thanks for joining us on this uh, impromptu YouTube live version of our Gut Reaction. If you guys want us to keep doing these podcasts live, yeah. let, us, let know. us know. Okay, make it clear, and we'll uh, see what we can do. It requires a little bit extra uh, legwork on our end, but we're happy to do it if you guys are, are digging it. But it's been a pleasure talking with you guys here especially all of our our YouTube listeners who are live with us right now. Appreciate you guys. We're going to be back tomorrow on Tuesday, I should say. Our podcast listeners are listening to this on Monday. We'll be back with a fresh episode for you. And we'll start parsing through where the Broncos go from here. At that point, probably reacting to some of the comments that have come out from the team and the Vic Fangio and some of the players after the Bears lost. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you guys, make sure you are following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Keep your chin up. There's still a lot of 
uh, sand left in the hourglass. The season's not lost. Broncos might be 0-2 for the first time in 20 years, but there's still an opportunity to turn this ship around. So let's not let's not uh, get caught up in the in, in the myopic ways of the last two years. Let's try and everybody maintain some semblance of a positive edge, Zach. I think that's that's the right thing to do at this stage. Yeah, don't, it's it, there's still early. It's still on September 15th. I mean, like I always bring up the two, the 2007 Giants or teams that go on a run late in the season. I mean, the Broncos can get hostile. Things can click. And if all these pieces do come together, I will say they have the coaches in place and they have the horses in place, pun intended, to be a, a contender. They can make a push. I mean, it, it just has to align. And whether that is going to happen in time or when that's going to happen, that will determine whether ultimately how they finish the year. All right, guys. You heard it here first. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Have a good night. Have a good day. We'll talk to you guys soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.